Welcome to The Business Buffet, a podcast-based business coaching environment where you gain personal nourishment, professional growth, and recipes for success. My name is Ed Bejarana, and I am your chef who will be fixing up a big helping of how-to, can-do, and what-to-do information, all designed to inspire you. So grab a plate as it is time for some Business Buffet. Welcome to the show. You know, it's been a while since I've published an episode, and I'm going to be honest with you, part of me was actually thinking about letting the business buffet go. The reason is, is I wasn't feeling that I was providing the service you are needing, and that is information that you value. I was trying to be an education resource for the entrepreneur, and I realized that I was venturing into spaces where you can get thousands and thousands of other opportunities. So I'm, I'm just going to open up the mic here today. And what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm going to start answering questions that my customers ask. Um, today we're going to talk about why, why does somebody want to hack your computer? What is it about your, your computer, your website, or your email account? You're just a small business. What is the value of gaining control of your computer? Why go through the effort to do it? So today, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to draw on some experience. I've been in this business now for 30 years, over 30 years. I, I worked as a security expert back in the beginning, but I, I chose not to stay in that field because the, the longevity of it was going to require me to not have a personality. The, uh, it's a pretty dry career. Let me just say that when you're digging into ones and zeros for a living, it's, you're just a boring person. For those of you in the field, especially my friends who are doing this, yes, I said it. You're boring. Yeah, your jokes are, you, you know how to tell the difference between a security expert who's an introvert versus one who's an extrovert? The, the, the extrovert looks at your shoes. <laughs> so, okay, why do hackers go after a small businessman's computer? Well, let's start for let's start with the web server. So you you host your website on some place like InMotion or A2 or or HostGator or one of the hundreds of places where you can host your website, and then hackers take over your website, and they don't apparently do anything right up front. It used to be that they'd put a bunch of graffiti on your website, but now they're using your website as a launching point. Uh, they use it as a phishing site. Phishing is a place where they, they put hooks out to capture other people. That's metaphorically speaking. A malware download site. They, they use it as a, a wares or a, or a piracy server, place where they can put files to share with all of their friends. Uh, a pornography server. You know, child pornography is illegal, so the hackers aren't going to put it on their own computers. They're going to use some computer that if it gets shut down, you know, no big deal to them. And, and then, of course, a spam site, someplace to launch all those billions and billions of emails that get sent out to you every single day. 
The phishing and malware are the most profitable side of this particular venture because what they're doing is this is where the the attacks for those uh, ransomware uh, cases you hear about, like the one that was back east here just a couple of weeks ago, probably started on some website. Somebody went there, clicked on a link, and downloaded something, and poof, they're now infected. So your web server is less protected than, say, NASA. Although I've heard stories that some of the computers at NASA aren't very well protected. But generally speaking, your website is less protected, less updated than even the server. And, and that kind of sounds a little weird. So you're hosted on HostGator, let's just say, for instance. And HostGator puts a whole bunch of websites on a shared server. That's what it's called. And there may be 100, there may be 1,000, there may be 10,000 websites on that single computer. So the operating system that runs the website server is managed by HostGator. And they're pros. They, they keep their software up to date at all times. So hacking the HostGator server is less likely because they've got professional IT techs who are monitoring the traffic every minute of the day and responding to incidences. But your website that's running on that HostGator server, that's managed by you. And if you're using a publishing system like WordPress or Joomla or Drupal, those have their own programs, their own, it's kind of like a little mini server, if you will. And you have to keep that software updated. The, the company you've hired to host your website, you're not paying them to update your WordPress site. You're paying them to make sure that the server stays up. That's up to you to keep your website updated. Well, WordPress plugins get outdated and they become vulnerable and hackers can gain access to your, to your website. Once they get that access, now they can put secret links or reprogram links that you've already got on your website in order to do the phishing or malware attacks or, or share files, uh, piracy files, pornography, um, the spam. They can Once they gain control of your website, now they can use what's called a crons server. Basically, it's a server that exists on your website to just do stuff when the computer's not doing anything else. It's just kind of like a little um, uh, repeat server. So your website, even though you're a tiny little business and you probably don't even make money directly from your website, the hackers want to have that bandwidth. For that matter, they want to have bandwidth from millions and millions of small websites so that they can launch attacks against very big companies without having to buy a whole bunch of resources. Imagine, if you will, setting up a data center is uh, millions of dollars. Plus, it's a static IP that is set up, but the address, it's kind of like a street address. Your internet address is, is a virtual version of your street address, but that's assigned to you. When you set up your data center, you have a set internet address that all of the traffic is coming and going from. Well, 
once you start your attack, all of the network administrators running the internet, they're going to see the attack and they're going to shut you down. So that millions of dollars of investment that you put into your own data center to launch your own attacks is all for naught because now the internet administrators have identified you as a hacker and they've shut you down. So rather than putting their own resources at risk, they take over your website and use your resources. So uh, another reason, another activity, um, uh, let's talk about virtual goods. Uh, I've got several areas. I'm not going to be able to cover them all in this episode. We're going to do a whole series of episodes here. Uh, the, The major areas, web server, email, virtual goods, reputation hacking, bot activity, account credentials, financial credentials, hostage attacks. And then over on the email side, then we have privacy, spam, retail, resale, financial employment, and harvesting. So let's talk a little bit about virtual goods, and we'll wrap that up for today. Online gaming characters. I got hit by this one about 15, maybe 20 years ago. I, I love to play Dungeons & Dragons. I was a and er when I was in high school. And as I got older, I took that gameplay online. And there was a game, D&D Online, and I used to play that quite religiously. And in the game, you, you build up your character, you, you complete quests, and you get treasure from those quests, and you just keep growing your character with more abilities. Well, some enterprising hacker got the idea that there was value to all of that time. You spend time in the game, And this is a massive multiplayer online game. People could trade these goods. So you complete a quest, you get done with the quest, and then you can trade things back and forth with your friends. So an enterprising entrepreneur said, well, why don't I sell that? So what they would do is they would go in and they would run the quests and they would get all of the good treasures and then they'd list that stuff for sale. So the people with more money, they wouldn't have to spend all that time to get the cool sword or the the great bow and arrows. They just pay for it. Always baffled me. Why, Why would you buy a game in order to buy the resources to cheat the game? That never made sense to me. If you're going to buy the game, play the game. You buy the game to spend time doing something that you like. It's, it's kind of like having kids and then hiring somebody else to raise them. That's a totally different episode. Let me tell you about Meal Team 6, a new podcast for men's health. I'm kidding. It is a real podcast, but I'm not going to talk about it right now. So online gaming characters can be hacked. If you only have a username and a password protecting your D&D online account, then somebody can figure out that username and password log into your account, take all your stuff and sell it to somebody else. So what was an enterprising entrepreneur idea became an enterprising hacker activity because why would they want to spend all that time trying to grind through the game to get the cool treasures? They just steal it. Just 
kind of like just going in your house and stealing your stuff and selling it. The only difference here is is a, it's all digital. Uh, online games, because of that, really have a currency. So now people will start a game and then sell the user access. Again, this, this makes zero sense to me. Why would you buy the game and then buy all of the experience for the game? Isn't part of the fun building up and learning how to play the game? But, but I digress. Then, of course, there's gaming licenses. This one has been around for a very, very long time. This falls in the category of piracy. When you subscribe to a game now, I go back to the days when you installed a game using floppy or three-and-a-half-inch hard disks. Um, now everything's digital, and it's just a license number. So you, you steal the person's license number, you sell it. Now the person who bought the license can't use it because the person who stole it has sold it to somebody else. So the virtual goods has a tremendous value. The it, What's happening with the digital hackers, with the crime on cyberspace, is it, it's about time. Whenever the hackers can steal time, there's value to that time, and they sell it for real money. So when you're sitting there staring at your computer screen in the office, thinking to yourself, why in God's green earth would these hackers want to break into my tiny little business and steal this stuff? It's because time is money. You already knew that. So what do you do about it? Again, in the next few episodes, we're going to break apart all of these different reasons for hackers to go after your computer. Um, but I would be remiss if I didn't tell you what to do about it. If all I did was share what the hackers are doing, uh, that might be helpful to some of you. But what, what, what should you do about it? How do you slow down? I mean, you can't stop them. But how do you slow down the hackers from taking over your small business? Imagine what happened to the gas company back east was to happen to your business. You come into your office one day, and on your computer screen is a message. Your computer has been taken over. All your data has been encrypted. Click here to give us $50,000 in Bitcoin. Otherwise, we're going to delete all your data. Now, if you don't think that really happens, it really happens. We just saw it happen. And millions of people were without gasoline. There's, there's parts of D.C., 80% of Washington, D.C. gas stations still don't have gasoline. As of the recording of this episode on Monday, May 17th, that may change by tomorrow when this episode's actually published. But ransomware has been a big issue for oh, 10, 15, yeah, about 15 years now. There was this ATM machine in Seattle that was the only ATM machine that processed Bitcoin. And I, I have a friend, he, he was sharing with me a story that 
when the ransomware attack would hit, they would race to that ATM machine with their credit card to buy the Bitcoin in order to pay off the ransomware. And it was a, it was a regular occurrence, so much so that they put a damn ATM machine that processed Bitcoin. So ransomware is a big issue, and even your tiny little business, imagine, if you will, that all of your data was stolen from you. It, it wasn't gone. It's sitting there right in front of you. It's just encrypted. You can't read it because the hackers have gotten into your computer. They've encrypted all of the data with their own password, and they're holding it from you. What would happen to your business? You'd be out of business. You know that. So what do you do about it? Well, first, you got to back up your data. You got to have multiple levels of backup. Those services to like uh, Carbonite or online backup services, you need to have at least one of those. Uh, those uh, point-to-point drives, like a Dropbox or a Microsoft OneDrive, yeah, have one of those as well. But then at your local level, you also need to have an encrypted backup system that's doing an imaging backup. Now, I know this sounds like it costs a lot of money, and there are costs associated with it. But what is the cost of losing everything that your business runs on? What is the cost of trying to rebuild all of your data? If you have an image backup that's offline, that's encrypted, that's not something that's likely going to be able to be taken over by the hackers. What They may take over the current image, but with like Time Machine on the Apple, it has multiple images. You can go back in time and pick out the important data. You may lose some stuff, but you won't lose everything. And if you multiply that by having yet another backup that's backing up the backup, the likelihood that you're going to lose data is diminished greatly. Now, what type of drives am I talking about? Well, I have a RAID 5 array that's actually my main drive. And then I have an 8-terabyte USB drive that I have backing that up. And then every month, I take the the USB drive that's currently backing up my RAID 5 array, and I take that to the bank, and I put it in the um, um, safe deposit box. And I take the one that's in the safe deposit box, and I bring it home, and I plug it in, and I make sure that it catches up with the backups. So worst-case scenario, I'm only going to lose about a month's worth of data. And because I'm paranoid, I have four drives in rotation. Those drives, they cost me less than $200 each. Now, the RAID 5 array, there's, there's four hard drives in there, and one of those hard drives just works as um, a backup drive. So all of the data is, is always written to that backup drive. So if one of my hard drives fails, that backup drive takes over, and then I get a whole bunch of alerts, and I can just hot swap in a new hard drive, and I'm back in business and actually, the hard drive never went down. But then I also have online backup storage. I'm not going to say who. <laughs> that would be silly. But I have online backup storage at three levels. So I have point-to-point point, uh, two points, and then I have a service that I'm backing up. All told, my monthly backup cost 
is $98. That's what it costs me per month annualized in order to provide the backups. So about $1,200 a year to make sure that all of my data is safe, to make sure that a ransomware can't put me out of business. To me, that's pennies on the dollar. To me, that's just a wise investment. So next week, we're going to talk about email attacks and bot activities and how those impact your business. In the meanwhile, if you want to drop a question and ask those burning questions about what is this or why should I do that, go to the Business Buffet on Facebook, drop me a note, and I will answer it online. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great day. It is that dreaded time when we must push back from the table and uh, maybe take a nap, you know, to reflect on what we've learned. Please, before you doze off, share this episode with a friend or family member who needs the emotional push that only the Business Buffet can give. Also, please take a moment to write a review for us on Apple Podcasts and help us reach new entrepreneurs like yourself. Thank you for listening, and remember to eat hearty in business.